You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. For this week's podcast, I'm joined by musician Kathleen Turner. Kathleen, how are you getting on? Great, thank you. Thank you for having me. You have a busy week coming up. Very a busy, busy week just gone as well, probably. Yeah, yeah it's all a bit. It's all a bit hectic. Single came out last week. Um, whole album arrives Thursday morning, and we're having a, a bit of a launch celebration Thursday night in Dolan's warehouse. Yeah, and so how the nerves in the build up to the, the album launch? Oh, there's a question. <laughs> you know, I always get nervous. Yeah. I always get nervous. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think if you care about it, you'll inevitably be nervous. But um, my sister called me the other night and she said, you know, remember where you're doing this gig as well, because it's in Limerick. You know, it's going to be um, people coming because they love music and they just want to be in that kind of atmosphere. And it'll be really warm as it always is in Dolan's. So, you know, and she's like, so you enjoy it. And then I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. That's why you make music, to enjoy it. It's going to be lovely. So, yeah, it's nerves, but I'm excited too. But I'd imagine like it is a big day for an artist launching their album. Yeah. So I'd imagine the nerves, sometimes you can lose that feeling of it or mm. you won't enjoy it as much. So it is probably some good advice from your sister there to... Yeah, absolutely. Take it all in. Take it all in, be in the moment. And I'm working with gorgeous musicians too. Yeah. So that'll be lovely, yeah. I mean, the Blakes... All three <laughs> are doing backing vocals and James and David. Um, I've got Peter Hannigan on bass and Excellent. Sean O'Graham uh, on multiple instruments. He produced the album and played a lot of, well, I'd say a good 70% of what you hear. You know, you hear a bit of bazooki, that's Sean O'G. <laughs> hear a bit of electric bass, that's almost definitely Sean O'G. You know, he's, he kind of <laughs> appears everywhere. So he's um, he's playing. And then we've got a couple of people joining us for a couple of tracks. So Aidan Boland's coming up for a couple on keys. Um, and we've got lovely Danny Bird, who's coming and doing a small kit percussion as well. So, yeah, it's going to be nice. So uh, the, the album is called Like a Line. Yes. Yeah, and the single released last week was yeah. Like a Line. Yeah. Yeah. title track so uh, have you been working on this since your EP launch which was two years ago 2017 yeah yeah, yeah. it was a um, I suppose these are two kind of looking at music in a bit of a different way now I'm looking at things as projects um, so the the EP in 2017 that was called The Lines Between Us and that was part of a I suppose that's the thing that made me start thinking about things in this way because it was part of a much bigger project for my PhD Okay. Um, was kind of connecting back to my role in community music, and five of the six songs on that EP were about um, various experiences that connected back into my research, and I had to find ways of articulating those three songs because my PhD was in arts practice, yeah. and um, and that kind of opened up the possibility to me, you know, that um, I could I could look at my music in multiple ways, so. Um, we had the kind of regular gig EP launch for that in Dolan's, but we also had another performance out at the Academy, which was a weaving of story and song. And um, and so again with this now, this album, the launch on Thursday will be, 
a gig but there'll be a lot of stories and stuff in there and then there'll be I have plans for where I want to take that next to kind of explore what you can do with those songs too so in terms of the influence so community music where did that come from Oh, um, do you know it was something I was doing as a kid and not realising that that's what it was called? I was involved in loads of projects growing up, um, particularly uh, the Oma Community Youth Choir, which was a choir that was specifically around peace building. Um, but I, I, I had no idea that that was a kind of field of practice. Yeah. And then after I did my degree, I was over in Scotland um, doing English and politics. And then I came home and uh, I just... Um, I have my sister and Google to thank because I was working as a temp trying to figure out what I wanted to do and my sister sent me an email and said look you know you love music you know you love the community I just Google that and see what comes up and I did and the Masters in Community Music was the first thing that came up and I was like this is a thing <laughs> so I I got my little I put in my application and I got my little suit <laughs> And I got the train filled down from Belfast and had an interview with wonderful Jean Downey and uh, our amazing founder, um, Professor Mihalo Sullivan, interviewed me and I thought, there's not a hope I'm going to get in here. And at the end of the interview, they said, well, sure, we'll see you in September. And I honestly, I <laughs> floated out of the place <laughs> and I it's never left. one of those things as well where you're, you're thinking, did that actually happen? Yeah. Was I offered a place just there or just... I, I can I can picture myself. I remember where I was standing, um, waiting to get the bus back to the train station, calling my mum and saying, I, I, I don't know if I understood them right, mum, but they said, <laughs> see me in September. So I must have got in. And the sheer, <laughs> just the, yeah, the, the excitement of that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's, I suppose, just started the path because I've been here 14 years now totally changed my life that moment yeah and uh, do, you, do you enjoy being in Limerick oh I love yeah. it <laughs> yeah it's home it is very much home I feel you know because I left Rome when I was 18 to go to university and um, so this is the longest I've lived anywhere yeah um since then so you've been to Scotland I lived in Scotland um Canada uh, I did my gap year um, when I was 18 in Hungary, um, then moved back to Belfast, did some short stints in other places, but um, Limerick has been home. Yeah, for the last mm. 14 years. Yeah, and but hopefully it, for <laughs> however many more. But uh, there, there is, uh, you, you mentioned people in Limerick love music. Yeah. And there's a fairly strong music scene at the moment in mm. Limerick. Uh, is there a lot of support there from other artists? Oh, I think so. Uh, yeah, hugely. You know, even in the last, the, the, the last week's a perfect example. The number of um, messages I've got from people, the number of people uh, sharing my the single on social media, number of people calling and going, are you okay, Janina, and for the gig? Um, you know, Patrick O'Brien, King Palace, he's opening the show on Thursday, sent me a text last night to say he was listening to the album on the big speakers with his girlfriend I sent him a, a, a pre-listen download Brilliant. you know and he was like I love it <laughs> so there's just sen- such a sense of um, cheering each other on mm. and uh, it's not a form of community music isn't it it really is yeah. no it, it all connects back together yeah. 100% I mean actually so many I think it's no coincidence that loads of the musicians in Limerick are also community musicians there's a sense of 
sharing it back out, you yeah. know, paying it forward, I suppose. I think we're all very conscious that we're only getting to do the things we get to do because somebody put faith and time in us. Um, and so there's maybe there's like a, a sense of a culture that you pay that forward. But uh, it is tough to be a musician at the moment you, you mentioned you're not releasing a physical copy of the album yeah like things have changed a lot very much yeah yeah i mean i think i gave that a lot of thought in coming up to this because i know it's lovely i love having a tangible copy of stuff but equally it adds um it adds a whole other layer yeah um and uh you know because you're thinking about artwork um the actual print the the time the additional time scale for that. Um, no, I loved the cover for your Bandcamp album, the portrait. The new one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that really is cool. that. I, thank you. Yeah, that's <laughs> the brilliant Deirdre Power. Um, she, she's a fabulous photographer, and I only, you know, we kind of come across each other at different events, and then um, I really wanted to work with uh, a woman. Yeah. for this particular project especially and um, I contacted Deirdre and she was amazing because I hate having my photo taken <laughs> I mean I can't tell you anything that makes me more uncomfortable So she I don't was, think many people do like being on that side of the camera oh loathe it <laughs> loathe it but she was amazingly patient you know and she and encouraging and um, she was kind of teaching me as we went and uh, and we came up with a couple of images in particular that really I felt very happy with, but also as well, kind of spoke to the the kind of topics that we had discussed that are mm. on the album too. And then yeah, the tones in the photos stand out to me as well. They're kind of blues and stuff. You know? mm. Yeah. Yeah. Power. Power. Yeah. Power. Because that's really what we're, um, what I'm thinking about in that album. Power, agency, bit of vulnerability in there. But um, yeah, where you put your power. So I, I had said to Deirdre that I wanted at least one photo where I was looking right down the barrel of the lens and she got it. Nice one. And <laughs> yeah. you were happy with it. That's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, power, like a lion. Yeah. It's a fairly powerful title in itself, mm. isn't it? Uh, mm. Tell me a bit about the single. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It'd be hard to reproduce on your own on a stage. So I'd imagine that's where the band comes yes, from. Yes. Yeah. For this one, because as you can hear in the recording, it's a lot of um, a lot of vocal layers, mm -hmm. um, a lot of hand claps, a lot of that kind of thing. So we will you can't kind of reproduce that exact thing yeah. live. Um, but we'll we'll have it as much as we possibly can. We have all those lovely harmonies for the chorus and everything with the Blakes and stuff. Um, but really, do you know what I want for this song? Is the uh, I got I got a message the other day actually, which was exactly what I wanted from this song. Um, a lady who posted a message on my Facebook that said, "I have um, I've just sat down and I've listened to this song three times in a row with my daughters," and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted this song to make everybody, but particularly women." and girls feel powerful, feel good about themselves, feel um, like when you take up your space, when you make decisions, when you go out into the world, you are mighty. Uh, and so on Thursday night when we sang this song, God, I'd love it if people sang along and just went completely wild. Yeah, so <laughs> before you go to the gig, give it a, a proper listen. Give it a good listen. Yeah. Study up, guys. Listen, <laughs> I'll, I'll post the lyrics. <laughs> 
And uh, so it is a very powerful song. Um, Thank you. I think feminism kind of had a bit of a hit in the last while. Mm. Not many people understand this wave of feminism. Mm. And do you think songs like this will help people understand it a bit more? Uh, you know, it's so subjective. Who knows what people will hear yeah. in your music? Um, but for me, it was certainly a way of articulating my identity as a feminist. It's a big. It's it's a big part of who I am, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think this song was about making space to explore that and talk about it a bit. Um, yeah, I, 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 who knows what other people will hear in it and what they'll take from yeah. it. But um, well, that, like that you said, with the uh, the man who said she had her two daughters listen to it, mm. you know, it, it might give them a sense of pride to say, "Yeah, I am a strong woman, mm. and I should embrace that." You know? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. There's there's so much. I think it's an interesting time for feminism, you know, because mm-hmm. so often so much of the conversation has been. You know, particularly objections to feminism have been in that that it's that's in some way about trying to diminish men. Yeah. Um, whereas that is not the reality at all. The reality is that feminism and certainly the the kinds of things that I try and be involved in as well, um, on things like International Women's Day and stuff, are about lifting everyone up. You know, if we lift each other up, that is the point. Um, and I'm really interested in where that intersects with other people, you know, so um, how does feminism interact with mental health and with um, uh, helping young men um, in um, building strong communities and um, in its intersections with uh, disability? You know, um, and if you're, there's this brilliant teaching tool that I have up on my wall in my office at work, and it says, never forget in the stories, um, who who is writing the stories, who is missing from the stories, and who benefits from the stories. And so for me, feminism is about um, keeping your eyes open for who isn't in the room, and if not, why not, and start opening the door. Ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the writing process for this album, it, mm. it's been two years since yes. the EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has the writing process been? Has it changed since the EP? Is it a different process? Uh, well, I had a year of not writing after, because it was, because um, when I released the EP then, the last EP oh. then I was gung-ho for finishing the, the my PhD. PhD. Uh, and then I went in fellowship um, with the Clore Leadership Programme. And that was a year away, uh, and that that actually got me writing again. So that's where I wrote Like a Lion, um, where a lot of the songs came, Let It All Fall, Courage. Um, the process, there was a lot of um, songs arriving where I... Do you know when you're in a really creative space? So you don't. Um, it's not so much trying to really push with them, but they're starting to arrive. So particularly with like a lion, I found myself. I was living in Scotland as part of that fellowship, and I found myself walking down the street in Glasgow and like <laughs> trying to sing subtly into my phone as I was walking, <laughs> or like nipping out of the office and trying to get some time to record lyrics into my phone. Um. So I think the process for this album was very much. 
really trying to hone all of the stuff that was coming out because I had all of this creative impetus around me. And then also choosing, there were two, there are two or three songs in this, two, Little Star and Danger, that I wrote a long time ago. But when I went back uh, to record and to think about what was going on, those two songs in particular seemed to belong with this. Um, and they actually bookend the whole thing. Yeah, they're the opening track and the final track. Yeah, and, and, and was writing the album therapeutic or anything? Did you learn anything new about yourself while you were writing? Oh, good question. Yeah, I did. I mean, I think the I think the songs. You know, other people probably you never knew. Again, you know, you never hear, know what people will hear in them. But um, I think I discovered that I work things out when I'm writing songs in this album. I definitely realized that about myself so like a lion came out of me trying to figure out um in the run-up to the referendum for example and with various things that were happening around the same time this was the repeal the eight yeah the repeal referendum the um there were a few other things that were happening in media at the time as well that were really deeply unpleasant and i was looking for a space to you know um if I, I'm rarely angry, but when I am angry, I like to have somewhere bright to put it, yeah. you know, somewhere positive. Um, and that song became that for me. That was where I was going to work out where to put the rage. <laughs> um, and there's other songs in there that are, you know, about figuring things out in, in various ways. And how about revisiting the two songs that you wrote a long time ago? Mm, yeah. I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> Because I got the chance to sit down with Sean Og and talk about how I thought they could sound sound-wise fit and also where I imagined them to be. So um, he was really brilliant with that. You know, he could really hear things in the songs. So Danger has this big thumping bass line and you can actually in the recording, you know, if you've got it on good speakers, you can hear the thwack of the double bass strings. Like he didn't try and keep that out, he kept that all in. There's a real kind of punch in that song. Um, and same with Little Star at the end. It's, it's an unaccompanied song, it's just me singing. But he composed this really beautiful, kind of ethereal tune that just closes out the whole album at the end. Um, so yeah, there's space to reimagine those two songs, which is lovely. And to finally finish an LP. Mm. It, it is a long process. Yeah. LP long process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was the feeling when you finally got the final recording done? Or Brilliant. even heard back that master track for the first time? Or? Yeah, great. Um, it was Richard at WAV Mastering. He did the master and he did a lovely job. And getting the tracks back and having a listen was a great feeling. Um, but, you know, I think that actually I think the most magical sound wise um, the most magical moment for me in the whole process was probably back in April when I was up with Sean Oak and we finished the the draft of Like a Lion and um, we'd been working on it all day and putting in all the, the little details you hear there's like clapping in the background and all of that and then we put it up and he has these massive speakers that surround you in the studio played it back and the two of us were like <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> it was such a good feeling it was such a good feeling 
Um, but it's so, a, yeah. a nice memory to have as well. Ah, oh, lovely, yeah. lovely, yeah. And the, the thing is as well, when you're working on something like this, you want somebody to work with who understands what you're chatting about and um, also as well who will really listen to you. We had this hilarious thing where um, Chanook... Uh, Put in tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I loathe the tambourine. <laughs> I had to go back through like two or three tracks and I was like, take it out, take it out. <laughs> and uh, you know, but he's the kind of person who just went, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I, I had um, Paul Knapp, he's the firefighting chef in here before. Oh, oh, and oh he, wow. Yeah, he, um, we were talking about food memories, uh-huh. but there's a lot of musical memories as well. So oh, yeah. What would be your earliest musical memory do you think earliest gosh or your favorite musical memory um do you know i actually some of my earliest musical memories are of um the first time that i heard some of my favorite singers um like i remember like um so it's kind of hard to explain when you can't see me. Sorry, podcast listeners. But there, <laughs> there's this feeling that I get um, when I hear a voice that particularly resonates with me where it feels like they are, where it, like I feel it right in my chest. It's just like a sensation of like a pull. Like what a powerful sound. And I vividly remember the first time I heard Lauren Hill sing and feeling that just like a, grab at my sternum um, and the same the first time I heard Aretha Franklin sing I think it was about 13 and my sister gave me the double CD gold collection of Aretha Franklin and putting it on my old CD player and uh, and just having my mind blown by what she could do with her voice um, those are some of my earliest memories of, yeah yeah very soulful singers as well mm, yeah yeah, yeah. Is, are you from a musical family yeah yeah um do you know well musical in the sense that we would all appreciate music um mum and dad would have sung growing up uh we would have all sung socially you know our our primary school in particular had a real tradition of singing folk songs and um and teaching through song as well and then i'm from a methodist uh background so there's a lot of hymn singing in that tradition a lot of harmony and great great songs for seasons um, so nothing formal um, just all very much in that kind of familial school church place mm-hmm. and then um, and then probably in, in a much more kind of um, definitively music career space my eldest sister would have been a big influence she um, people would people still mistake me for her several times a week yeah yeah Juliet um, is this a sister that told you to Google? Yeah, thanks, music? Julie. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, she had uh, f- um, several albums. Um, was really recognisable voice of a particular era of um, Irish music. She's nine years older than me, and so I had that. So when I was kind of as a teenager going up through school, she was in her early twenties. Um, you know, playing gigs in Vicker Street and stuff, and. Um, supporting just like mad support gigs like yeah. Bob Dylan and r- ridiculous things Bob's like seeing her on stage opening up for people like that oh amazing you know I'm still and you know she she's not doing music now she's moved on to doing something else but um, 
I, I'm still incredibly proud of her, as I am my whole family yeah. in the different things that they do. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she, she, she had a real influence on me in the way that she related to audiences. Um, and her lyrics, she really set a bar. You know, she's really a poet. Her lyrics are very, very poetic. Yeah. And um, it was lovely to watch her, to hear her, to think about the way she crafted stuff. And she's super supportive of me. You know, she really cheers me on. And uh, you mentioned telling stories and stuff like that. So uh, the role of a musician is very different now, I think, especially if you're a solo musician on mm. the stage. You have to engage with the audience a bit. How, yeah. How do you find that? I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's actually the thing that really keeps me calm. Because it reminds me that I'm, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in a room of human beings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not just a load of faces. To see exactly, faces, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so I really like telling stories. And I also feel a wee bit of responsibility for that as well, because I think there's a difference between hearing a song, Cold, mm-hmm. and hearing a song and somebody has set the scene for you a little bit, giving you a little bit of insight into where it comes from or or an image that's attached to it, I think that gives you a different impression yeah. of what you're listening to. Well, I think it's like that with most art, mm. because you can take what you want from an art piece, but if you know the headspace the artist is in, you'll get a different view on it. It creates empathy or something, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah for that three, four minutes, there people can walk with you. Yeah. Um, so uh, you have your gig coming up on Thursday. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so what's the plans for after that? For after that, straight in. So I was super, oh, so delighted. Um, I won the, um, um, one of the um, Creative Ireland Made in Limerick bursaries. So huge thank you to Creative Ireland and Limerick City and County Council for that. So straight in. Gig is Thursday night. Friday night, we record the first video. <laughs> Sunday morning, we record the next video because it's for work done in 2019. So we've got to get oh, these right. out yeah. the gap. And, um, time is ticking. Time is ticking. <laughs> and, um, but also as well, I'm working with very busy people. Yeah. Because um, the both videos um, are being made with aerialists. Uh, fabulous, fabulous aerialists. So I'm very excited about that. And, um, and Dominic... Uh, Oh, no, he's going to laugh when I try and say his name. Kozitsky. Kozitsky. He always says I say it wrong, so I'm yeah. sorry, Dom. <laughs> um, uh, he's also in demand. So, yeah, straight into filming those. Um, those will be out, kind of staggered in the new year, like a lion will hopefully come out um, in January. And then Puzzle will be the second one. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll hang on to that for a wee bit. And then um, start planning for next year I'm going to be doing hopefully some choral arrangements of these songs Excellent. to perform with live band and choir is the long term plan and any uh, plans to tour the album or anything yes but in not in a regular gig context I'm looking at it like a project yeah. so the plan is to try some things out um, on site at the academy with um, hopefully some singers some musicians and um uh, and maybe some dancers and then build from there but I'm just going to do a slow build and let's see see where things go and how do you find balancing the music with uh, being a, the head of the masters in in community music yeah. um, do you know actually really good because your role at the Irish World Academy um, 
for all of us, you are essentially a teaching artist. So a big part of what you do is to continue your whatever your practice is. So all the dancers still dance, you know, all the... Um, It'd be the way a professor researches a certain subject similar to the... The, the, re- the research that we do is connected right back to what we make. Yeah. So if I am working on community music and I'm also involved a wee bit in the songwriting and, and choirs and things like that, it makes sense then um, that I continue to do that myself and I bring that back into my work. It all feeds back. So there's definitely space in there to do that, to, to make the music to write about it as well, to connect it back to the kind of the broader life at UL. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, Kathleen, how can people listen to Like a Lion? Okay. So <laughs> this single is up right now on Bandcamp, so you can listen to it there. So that's kathleenturner.bandcamp.com. Um, I think if you pre-order as well, you get and you the can, single. Yeah. Free. Yeah. You can pre-order the album there. Um, or... If other platforms are your vibe, that is absolutely fine. Thursday morning, 9 a.m., if all goes according to plan, uh, Like a Lion, the full album will arrive on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, all your usual platforms. And that's uh, kathleenturner.bandcamp.com. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking up, if you're looking me up on iTunes, Kathleen Turner, me, will come up. But you'll also get multiple things of the actress. So, <laughs> so just keep an eye out which thing you're downloading. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen Turner, thank you very much for joining us on the Thanks podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks and for having me. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. You've been listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. For more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts. And you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. <laughs>